0: The Lone, Star a <laughs> Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Case file 15, Greg Flanagan.
1: Hello, Lone Start one ers
2: Hello, hello. Welcome back. Another week. Another case. Some more murder. So this, this week. <laughs> so this week. Where are we at? We in Beaumont,
1: Texas. That um, is very south of here. Yes. I have only been there once. I don't think I've ever been there. I I've went. been to South Texas, but not Beaumont specifically. I went to Beaumont and Port Arthur. Tell me about Beaumont. The population is 117,000. It is known for the Great Gusher at Spindletop.
0: <laughs> is, that a, is that a topless bar of some kind?
1: <laughs> You're going to break the producer. No, it's a salt dome about three miles south of Beaumont.
0: So dubbed, Still could be a topless bar. Dubbed
1: the Lucas Gusher. Oh, my God. Yeah, see, we had to talk about this. <laughs> uh, it's the discovery of oil, and it helped change the economy of Texas and helped to usher in the petroleum age. But I really just wanted to say the Lucas Gusher. That's really the only reason why that's in there. <laughs> Thursday, September 16th,
2: 2010, a man by the name of Greg Flinnegan has not arrived
0: to
1: work. Uh-oh. So he lives Maybe he's in... Over. Yeah, Maybe Maybe. that shit all the time. And it's a Monday. I'm late every day. You can ask my boss. It's a, it's because of Starbucks, that's why. I know. Don't you like
2: when you're like, "I'm sorry, I overslept," but I really so have my Starbucks. You show in five minutes late to the meeting, but you damn sure have your Starbucks in hand, right? I mean, I reuse my cups and make my own iced coffee, so I legit could have easily overslept. See, but... I'm
0: there at 6:30. I've done three Adderall, and I've been up all night anyway. <laughs> so I'm fucking. I'm on time and you're ready a to go. Number
2: ten. Mm-hmm, yeah. So he actually lives in Lafayette, Louisiana, but he works in Beaumont. He has not arrived to the Beaumont office. So his coworkers and his brother drive from Lafayette to Beaumont to check on him to see why he hasn't made it to work, the oversleep, what's going on. Mm -hmm. So they get to the hotel and they knock on the door. He doesn't answer. They're calling his cell phone. They're calling his room. He's not answering. So they go and ask one of the hotel employees if they could get the manager and get in they explain the situation they call the room he's not answering they use the key and they go in the room and they find greg laying face down right in front of the front door legs wide open cigarette in his left hand and he's seems to be unconscious they check on him and he's dead what is D- the cigarette E-D- still lit d-e-d dead cigarette is not lit cigarette has so been did it burn him i
0: bet it burned him no what did he do for a living because he's commuting, or he's coming in from fucking Lafayette to Beaumont. Mm-hmm. He's got to be making good money.
2: Yeah, he's he owned oil and land. Nice. So they're coming in to check on the rigs and mm-hmm. stuff like that, I bet. So upon first examination of him, it looks as though it's natural causes. There's no blood. There's no sign of force entry because the door, you know, only only he could get in, mm-hmm. right, because he had a key unless you were a hotel employee. The windows are not broken, All they can determine by walking in the room is it's very warm in the room. He has the bed set up as if he was watching TV. The TV's still on. He had some snacks on the bed. He loved to eat candy. (laughs) So he had snacks on the bed. He had an ashtray, his cigarettes, his laptop. So it just looks like he may have had a heart attack. Natural
1: causes, open, shut case like trying to get to the door maybe was he on his way to the door i guess so because the yeah most likely because right he there was when they opened yes
2: yeah, but there was no no signs of foul play from what they could see that's mm-hmm. what happened
0: to my grandfather he turned the house upside fucking down looking for his heart bills they thought he was robbed and killed but it was just a heart attack damn yeah
2: so greg is married to a woman named Susie, and she had spoke to him just the night before she had been filing their taxes And she was emailing him back and forth. She was explaining how she was getting a file extension. And she sent him, like, a progress of what she was doing. And he told her, you know, you're doing a good job. I appreciate everything you do. And then that was the last she heard of him. And usually she would hear from him first thing in the morning. So, of course, she was the first one that sparked the concern. And then so now they're here. So the first detective to arrive on scene, his name is Scott Apple. And he's very pissed that Mm -hmm. they asked him to come in. Because he's like... Why are you bringing me here? He obviously had a heart attack and you're making me waste my detective time on this natural cause case.
0: (laughs) My detective time.
2: So he goes around the room and he sees there's been no break in. You know, he goes through Greg's jeans and sees that he's got over a thousand dollars in cash. Mm -hmm. So he's like, there's obviously no robbery. He checks the nearby neighbors that are sharing walls and they didn't hear nor did they see anything. So then he goes through his bags. And he thinks, well, maybe he takes prescription medication, maybe he overdosed, maybe he had a allergic reaction to something, no medication at all. Greg was not a guy who liked to go to the doctor. His wife described him as very stubborn, independent, and suspicious of authority. He was unmotivated with health and fitness. He didn't really think it worked to be extremely healthy or to work out.
0: Yeah, if I quit smoking now, I'll definitely get cancer. (laughs) Uh
1: (laughs) I I have that he smoked a lot, and he had his candy bars because he had a sweet tooth. I mean, can you blame If there are only two vices in life, Mm -hmm.
2: smoke some cigarettes and eat some candy bars. I mean... He just wants to smoke cigarettes and watch TV. That's right. Leave him alone. (laughs) So he did chain smoke his adult life, and he had that nagging smoker's cough. But he didn't drink alcohol, and he, Susie, his wife, stated he didn't overeat. So if he did eat something he liked, he ate a moderate amount. He didn't overindulge. So from the outside, you know, this was an open shut natural causes case, yeah, it no seems big like a deal. Boring day. He either had a pulmonary embolism, blood clot, or a heart attack. So of course she was very shocked. His wife Susie was very shocked to hear. Obviously her husband is just gone like that. But she did find some solace finding out that it was a sudden. He didn't suffer. Exactly, yeah. and it was just over yeah. really quick. And an interesting thing is that when some of Susie and his friends had passed away suddenly like this he would say, oh, lucky bastard, that's how I want to go.
1: Hmm. So at least she felt that, He went well, at least, you
2: wanted. know, he went, yeah,
0: yeah, so. Yeah, he wasn't caught in a bear trap for seven days and died of right. gangrene. He was in Thank there with God. his
1: hookers and his blow. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, the other money I just wasted.
1: And she had found out about some weird secret life, so. Mm-hmm.
2: So if everybody's wondering why we're covering this, I'm about to explain. Okay, good. How did the story come about? So, photographs in the body are taken to Dr. Tommy Brown. He's the Emmy that does the autopsy on him just mm-hmm. to ensure that this was yep. natural causes. Mm-hmm. Because it's a very interesting situation. Upon inspecting the body, inside and out, he finds some interesting information. So yes. from the outside, like I said, there was no blood. There was nothing, nothing big on the outside No, to show... we even have
1: a picture of the bed. And it's like typical hotel, white comforter, or white pillows. And it's completely clean besides the stuff that he left on there. But there are no stains or anything whatsoever.
2: So the only mark, which I had said before, there was a little wet area near his scrotal area. Which is normal because after people pass away they void and they empty all their bowels so to see some of a wet spot wasn't uncommon however he had a half inch laceration to his scrotum which was weird Mm -hmm. very weird
1: that's weird and he had a
2: one inch abrasion on his left cheek which is where it seemed when he had fallen if he did have a heart attack that he fell on his left cheek and kind of slid so, there was like a one-inch okay. abrasion there where he had like a carpet burn. Mm-hmm. So, then he has this half-inch laceration of his scrotum. The scrotal sac itself was swollen and discolored. And around the laceration was a small amount of fluid. It wasn't blood. It was just fluid. Was it urine? Or it could have been urine. It could have been any kind of uh, free fluid in the scrotum itself since it was had a laceration on it. Scrotums have free fluid?
1: <laughs> free fluid.
2: Free floating fluid.
1: <laughs> okay. I learned something today. <laughs> and he
2: had some bruising throughout the groin area, all the way across to his right hip.
1: Wow. Okay, that's unusual.
2: So it looked as though something had hit him, possibly. In and the Johnson. And right in right in the goods. So from outside, Dr. Brown's thinking, you know, something isn't right here. Maybe he something fell on him, or maybe when he fell, this happened, maybe he fell on something. So, when he opened him up, he found a surprising amount of blood and extensive internal damage. There was a small amount of part, partly digestive food, which well, was porn. strewn through his intestines. Oh, so, it sweet. wasn't like it was just in his stomach. It was out in the open. He had small lacerations on his intestines, on his stomach, his liver, and he had two broken ribs. And lastly, he had a hole in the right atrium of his heart. mm now if he had a heart attack, none of that would have been present. So, make sure wonder. There
1: was also a laceration to the liver. Did you say that too? Yes. Yep. Okay.
2: And upon looking at it, Dr. Brown determines that these injuries are consistent with severe trauma. He either was beaten to death or he was crushed by something very heavy.
1: Yeah, because there wasn't any other the outside of his body didn't indicate a severe beating, though. No. So
2: Mm-mm. that
1: didn't that wouldn't jive with No.
2: Yeah. So, the wound on his genitals could have been from maybe a hard kick, like a hard yeah. kick to the nuts, mm-hmm. and it kind of radiated up, and possibly a blow to the chest that was so severe that it caused the lethal damage, and he could have bled out in 30 seconds but or less. But then how would
1: that jack with your intestines, though? You would have had to continuously
2: hit. been beaten post-mortem, which is why and he would have- just everywhere,
1: not just in the chest. You'd have to beat the entire torso for that to happen, wouldn't you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So- Dr. Brown rules the manner of death homicide. So now Detective Apple is... A, now he's like, all right, all right. Fair Not enough, enough. You fair me. enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Dr. Brown calls Detective Apple mm-hmm. and he says, the man that you brought me from room 348 at the Elegante, he has suffered some kind of severe internal injuries that I've only seen in car crashes or someone found under a very heavy object that's fallen on them. Now, they don't really think it's murder because at this time in 2010, only 10 murders had happened that entire year in Beaumont. Oh, wow. So, if you think about that, that's I mean, the first... here in Dallas, it's like 10 a day, yeah. right? So,
1: that's they've had 10 they in a
2: year. So, they're like, there's no way this man was murdered. Like, what for what reason? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen here. So, we have a 55-year-old man found in a hotel room, possible natural causes, ends up being severe trauma, nothing's taken from his room, no one's come in or out from what the security cameras have shown. So Detective Apple has zero leads. Yeah, what do you... I mean, what do you think? Like, what could possibly have happened to this man? He has no open wounds that would show a stabbing mm-hmm. or no significant bruising that would cause a beating, even though nothing there's around inside. him
1: showing that he fell. Because even if he had tripped on something and fell on something, he would have still been on that object when they found him. Exactly. Or yeah. it would have been obvious, like maybe a chair and the chair was falling mm-hmm. over here. Or And he
2: has a partially smoked cigarette in a ha- in his left hand. So if he has the cigarette there, obviously whatever was happening, if he was struggling or being beaten, he wouldn't have been
1: holding on to that cigarette. Right. I don't know. You've seen them, people talk with cigarettes in their mouth. But can you imagine, yeah, like, more trying habitual. to defend yourself? What I'm saying, it's more habitual yeah. than anything. So, That's true, yeah.
2: Right. So six months go by, and Detective Apple has tried to rack his brain and look at every angle that could possibly have happened to Greg. Mm-hmm. He has physical evidence that just doesn't add up. Was he beaten somewhere else? and then placed there and just laid perfectly there. How did he get beaten so severely and without any damage to the torso in the sense that he didn't have any bleeding in his stomach. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any bruises or scratches. He has no defensive marks and this man has so much to live for. You would think he would want not yeah. want to die. How could this have happened if he was beaten without anyone hearing anything? No one saw anything go in or out. He had no enemies. So Detective Apple thinks maybe it's his wife. Maybe she hired a hitman.
1: Unfortunately, that's how it goes yeah because if the husband didn't do
2: it the wife usually did it yeah right Mm -hmm. so he goes and he starts digging in Susie's past and he's like I'm sure I'll find something I'm sure that there's something there so Susie met Greg when she was in her 20s she was a singer in a rock band what yeah I didn't know that and so they met at a show she was very in love with him, even though she was considered a Southern belle and very pretty and stubborn by her friends. She very much loved rock music and she was in this rock band. She married Greg and they had a few children. And then as they got older, they started growing apart. So they divorced. Mm. So time goes by. Does she stay in her band? I don't know.
1: I'm going to have to look up whatever her rock band So
2: is. time, uh, they separate. They divorce. They don't talk for some time. One day, she calls him out of the blue because she realizes that he's just the one for her. And he tells her, I've been waiting for you to call this whole time. Aww. So then they get remarried. And at this time of his death, they'd been married for 15 years the second time. Wow. Right. So true love, right? Mm-hmm. So you hear that and you're like, what? I mean, she she sought him out the second time, right? And yeah, he's I mean, he's, waiting. Yeah. Whenever he would stay at this elegante hotel, he never went down to the bar they had. He never talked to anyone. He didn't socialize. He never spoke to women. He never brought women back to the hotel. He was not a drunk. He wasn't a cheater. He wasn't the kind of guy that had enemies. Mm-hmm. He I think we talked about this just before. hard working man. He was a routine guy that mm-hmm. only went there for very work. predictable. And he always had the same room. Routine. It was a three-story cabana that he had that was just his and it overlooked the pool. He asked for that cabana. He had it every week. That was his place. It was room 348 by the way yes so it didn't seem like this very honorable smart guy would have any reason to be killed I mean he didn't seem like there would be any reason for he, for her to want him dead or for anybody else at, at this point in the investigation mm-hmm. so he starts looking at the hotel asking did anyone call the front desk at all at any times in this mm-hmm. evening? What happened in the hotel? So he gets the maintenance records. You
1: would think that he would do that before the six months has passed. Wouldn't that be one of the first things? He looked at I security guess, cameras. I guess not, because if initially they um, said it was natural causes, I guess I would understand that. But when the Emmy came back and said it's a homicide, immediately then you... And that was the That same wasn't day. six months later, was no, it? the
2: same day he rolls it a homicide. Right, so that's when you go through security well, footage. But again, these people aren't looking... They don't know how it can be homicide. When there's no murders that happen in Beaumont. So how much does this detective really know about investigating so a murder? So really not familiar with this. But he saying? did, he did spend the first three months watching videotapes. Okay. And there were so many cameras in there. The thing, and there's not very many detectives in Beaumont at this, at least helping with this case. So he was the only one who watched those cameras. So that's a lot of footage because mm-hmm. he watched it for weeks before and weeks after to see if anybody came back to the room, anybody do anything. So he just saw him go in the room and never come out. And nobody went in. Nobody went in. Nobody went out. So maintenance records showed that at some point early in the evening, Greg had rented Iron Man 2, Mm -hmm. and he had went downstairs, he bought um, candy bars from the vending machine, some popcorn, and went back up to his room. And while cooking the popcorn and watching his movie, he blew electrical circuit. So the outage had affected the adjacent room next to him, room 349, and the rooms directly underneath him. So he called the front desk, reported the outage, and told him, I'm so sorry. They -hmm. said he was very sheepish whenever Mm -hmm. he was telling him what he did, that, can you come and, and, and reset the breaker? So Detective Apple has two theories. Okay. His first theory involves sex. Okay. The maintenance man happened to have a rap sheet as a sex offender. Okay. So Detective Apple thinks maybe the puncture wound to the scrotum and internal injuries could have been caused with maybe a screwdriver. Or some sort of bizarre, kinky assault weapon. That kind of makes sense. And so he spent more time talking to the maintenance man and looking into his background, but his theory didn't go anywhere. Okay. His second theory involved the group of electricians staying at the Elegante a number of whom had been in the room next door. So there was a mm-hmm. union of electricians that were working some new construction, and they were staying in various rooms over the hotel. Because mm-hmm. obviously with that many men working, they can't always stay together. Yeah. But there was three of them staying in the room right next door mm-hmm. to him. So that was in room 349. They were also in town for an extended stay doing a job. At night, they tended to... It had been a custom that a lot of them would go to one of their rooms, and they would drink and party and have a good time. Mm-hmm. So maybe one of them may have knocked on Greg's door and was drunk and got annoyed and exchanged words with him and maybe assaulted him in the hallway, uh, not in way of the camera, because the way that- They would have seen
1: that on, they would have seen him, they would have seen the other guy come to the door and him answer it though, right? Right.
2: So, and maybe beaten him and then returned to the room, but of course that that theory did not pan out either. Um, And they said that they didn't know anything about Greg or about the death or anything. 14 days after Greg's death, when he does his first interviewing he decides to wear a camera whenever he goes to interview these electricians thinking i might not get anything now but later on whenever i i watch it maybe they maybe they say something i forget so he wears a hidden camera and he goes up to the men cuz they're still there doing the union job mm-hmm. in the same room no they've been moved rooms apple asked you know did you hear about that guy that was that died you know in the room and you know do you know what happened like oh we we heard something fell on him that's what we heard. We heard something fell on him and it, and it crushed him. But they—they they don't know. They said around midnight they heard him coughing, so they felt like whatever happened had to have happened after midnight. So the three men in that room were Trent Pisano, Thomas Elkins, and Scott Hamilton. That were re- that were registered to that room. Those were the three registered to that room. Mm-hmm. One of them said they saw the body on the gurney in the elevator, and they assumed that caterers were delivering a cake or had a big food tray. Oh my God, they didn't no even way. know it was a
1: body. <laughs> I think you would know. Yeah. I think you would just get that sense of, oh shit. Yeah, there's a body. It's, I think a body shape is
2: much different yeah. than a
1: cake. You can see the feet, you can or see the food. Head. Yeah, I mean. And
2: it's, it's not, and I don't think caterers wear police uniforms sure. or coroner outfits. So they were lying. But they did hand over their driver's license and their cell numbers. They said, you know, we're going to be in town for a few more months. If we need anything, just let me know. Again, he goes back to the, he's going back to, did Susie do this? Did she have, did she have him killed? Then he thought he had nixed that when he had gone through her past. So then he thought maybe it was Michael Flanagan, which was his brother and partner. Maybe Mm -hmm. if he offs him, you know, he has, he sees him every week. He knows his routine, right? But he had no evidence. Well, and, and absolutely no motive no,
1: and yeah there's no record of him going into the room right they would have had footage of that as well
2: right apple at this point is so worried that his death would become a cold case mm-hmm. and it would end up in a sad box of evidence in the county courthouse and this case would never get solved because there's just no i mean can you imagine i would be so frustrated just with you know of the case now like what would your what do you think happened with just knowing just knowing this like what could possibly have happened to this I man i
1: have no idea
2: I was, when I was reading this, I was like, I can't wait to get to
1: the end, not to be done, but just so I know what the hell happened. happened. Yeah. I don't, unless maybe he, he ate something that didn't agree with him and it poisoned his system. I mean, yeah, that's, that's because I didn't read anything about that would mess up your insides without any additional trauma to the outside. That's,
2: That's a good theory, especially considering they didn't do a toxicology report. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't read anything about a toxicology report. So My favorite salty person is about to be introduced. Susie and Greg had a mutual friend who was a lawyer. Her name was Kay Sherman. And she called Susie and told her about this man named Ken Brennan. Listeners, you need to research who Ken Brennan is because he's he's a a pretty cool guy and he's Pretty much the producer, if he were to be a PI. So so Susie thinks about it, and she starts researching him. She reads an article in Vanity Fair, which is where I got this whole story, about a blonde that went missing. And Ken Brennan found her and revived a cold case in Miami. And just a little bit about Ken Brennan. He's a former Long Island cop and DEA special agent. And now he's just a PI in Florida. That's where all the crazy people
1: be anyway. Seriously. He's (laughs)
2: solved in 10 years. He solved 76 cold cases on his own. Like just like in the way I'm going to tell it. Like he walks in and he like should be in a show. Like he could look in there and he's like, this is what happened. This is where I need to go. And I can find the answers. So she thinks about it. She calls him after researching. He's playing golf. And so he answers right away. And she's like, oh, my God, you answer your own phone? Like, you don't have a secretary? You don't have an assistant? And he's like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, like, I'm playing golf. Very Jessica so Jones style. <laughs> she tells him about Greg's death. And he's like, send me some files. And, you know, I'll, I'll take a look. And she told him, you know, I'm not really feeling very well. But under the weather, I'm going to get him to you as soon as I can. And he told her, well, you need to fucking take care of yourself. <laughs> Okay. She's like, all right. And he, he had a very thick from Long Island. And they he's don't got a very thick New York accent, and his voice was very gravelly. She said He was no BS. And had a very like, when I speak, you need to listen to me. Like he mm-hmm. took attention whenever he would speak in a room. So if you re- look him up on the internet, he's you can we'll find him to, anywhere.
1: I have a picture of him that we'll upload whenever and, we do the. And people reach out to him for
2: unsolved murders and disappearances because he's just good at, he has a very good intuition. Um, he only takes cases he finds intriguing. And he doesn't like to give false hope. He kind of reminds me of John, John Walsh. Walsh. Absolutely. That's who he looks like. He's yes.
1: got salt and pepper hair. Very, His uh, facial features look very much like John Walsh. I agree. So Yes. Yeah.
2: So, um, That's okay. If he starts reading a case and he's like, look, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think I'm going to be able to solve this. I'll try, but I'm not going to give you any false hope. He's not about that. If he can do it, he does it. And if he can't, he lets you know ahead of time. The Greg Flanagan case appealed to him because of the mystery, Mm -hmm. but also to him, there are so many avenues to explore, even though he was excited about the potential of what, what he could find. So since Detective Apple had been investigating this for so long... All the possibilities seemed old and boring, but to Ken Brennan, they seemed fresh and potential. Yeah. And he was a new pair of eyes that perhaps could be the best thing for mm-hmm. the investigation because he can look at things that Detective Apple may have never right. seen. He doesn't
1: have any preconceived ideas or notions of what happened. So he's going in with a completely unbiased. Absolutely. Yeah. He flies to Lafayette
2: in April. So now we're seven months since the Greg's death and he interviews Susie first. And he is no BS. I mean, he asks her hard questions about Mm -hmm. their relationship and about her being faithful, about him being faithful, life insurance. Drugs. And after talking to her, he feels very satisfied that she's good. She had no motive to have him killed. And he stated, let me ask you one more thing. Was there anything about the crime scene that didn't seem right to you? And Susie told him she was surprised that the room was so hot when they got there the following morning because he liked the AC to be very low. Well, don't we all turn it down at night? Super yeah. cold yeah. in the yeah.
1: hotel anyway?
2: Oh yeah, we do. Well, yeah. everyone but mom, mom doesn't yeah. like it. So so that Brennan, odd. yeah. So that's the one thing that struck her. it was turned down, it was off? It was completely off. She didn't know if it was off. All she knew at it this point is that it was hot and he couldn't and wouldn't sleep in those conditions. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing that was off to her. Mm-hmm. So Brennan goes back to Beaumont and he meets Detective Apple. And he tells Apple, I am not a maverick. I don't do things half-cocked. If I decide we're going to do this, we're going to do it as a team. There's nothing I'm going to do that you're not going to know about. The one thing I won't do is fuck up your case. Nice. I've been doing this a long time. I know that you're the guy in charge here, so it's your case. So Brendan he was kind of looking at Apple and like scoping him out but also letting him know, I respect you. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in your shoes. He doesn't want to work with someone he doesn't like. He prides himself on being able to read people, and mm-hmm. he liked Detective Apple. He yeah. felt like they'd make a good team. Yeah. So feeling that they had this good relationship going, the next morning, Detective Apple takes Brennan to the hotel room. You know how many times I wrote Brenna instead of Brennan? I love a lot. <laughs> the next morning, Apple... A detective Apple takes Mr. Brennan to the hotel room and shows him the crime scene photos and the autopsy results and reviewed what he had done over his the last seven mm-hmm. months of investigation. So, Brennan listened to him and said, I think I know how this guy died. I think I know when he died, and I think I know who killed him, and I think I know how we're going to catch him. And Apple's like, are you are you kidding me? Like, you've been in here five minutes, and now you know this? Yeah. And Brennan's like, hear me out. I just need to talk to, to Susie real quick. I need to ask her one question. So Brennan calls Susie, and you want to know what he asked her? What? Was he left or right-handed? Okay. And Susie says he's right-handed. And so Brennan asks, well, when he smoked, did he smoke with a cigarette in the left hand or the right? And she said he always smoked right-handed. And So she, that means
1: he was doing something because you said it was in his left hand.
2: Right. So she so said, are you sure? And she said, I'm positive. So Brennan hung up, and he tells D- Detective Apple, Susie told him... That Greg loved to keep the room cold. So this helped fix the time of death. And Brennan saw the air conditioner had shut down with everything else when the circuit breaker blew. So that time was known. So the hotel records show the repairman had left Greg alive and well around 8.30 p.m. So we know that around that time is whenever the maintenance worker came in and at least turned the circuit breaker back on and made sure everything was working. But the AC had not come back on at that time. Mm -hmm. So that kind of gives us... The, the timeline of when he like, when he died, right? So the movie resumed, and Greg did not turn the AC back on. He didn't think to turn it back on, and it must not have gotten hot yet before he mm-hmm. passed away. So it would have taken some time for the room to grow warm enough to tell yeah. him, "Hey, go turn that back on."
1: And maybe he didn't know that it was that you had to manually turn it back on. Maybe he thought it would automatically come kick back on. on. Yeah.
2: So and that's why the room was so warm. So Brennan stated in September, "It's hot as fucking." And, and <laughs> it's hot as fucking. <laughs> Do <did> like him. <laughs> The cigarette scratched the notion that Greg had been beaten somewhere else, perhaps even just out in the hall. I mean, this doesn't make sense that mm-hmm. he would carry that cigarette with him. A hallway scenario might explain why nothing was disturbed in the room, but the cigarette ruled it out completely. Well, and everybody
1: around would have heard it. Yeah, like if you're unless they're the ones that did it, right? Then they're going to say they didn't hear anything. No, but I mean, there are more people. You've got people across from you, people on the other oh, that's side. True. Yeah, the people that did it might not might not say anything, but the other people around are going to.
2: Right, and he said, "There's no way the attackers." Returning him safely and nicely to this rug would have placed a cigarette right perfectly in between his fingers. Just
0: sprinkle some crack on him, guys. Let's get out of here.
2: (laughs) Also unlikely, given the ruptured hole in his heart, that Greg would have had time to return to the room after such a beating, calmly light a cigarette before kneeling to his death.
1: Yeah, there's just, just
0: one more cigarette. No, there's just no way. <laughs> I can tell you, it's, uh, maybe. <laughs>
2: and if Greg was right-handed, why was the cigarette in his left? And Brennan reviewed the room and felt Greg, like you said, had gotten up from the bed and headed towards
1: the door, shifting the cigarette to his left hand so in order to, to the grab door. the door handle with his right. I mean, mom and dad used to smoke. I can even see her, like, mm-hmm. moving it He'd, in this hand he, or do something he, else. So. He does
2: the same thing. Yeah. Like, even yeah. of all the scenarios Detective Apple considered, the electricians made the most sense. Since they were part of the blackout as well, the electricians may very well have been drunk and confronted Greg in the hallway like Detective Apple had thought. However, there was no proof of that. Mm -hmm. No proof on the cameras. They never spoke to him. It just didn't make sense. So Brennan asked Apple, did you ever interview the men? Apple told him, yes, they were very nice. So Brennan suggested, well, if they have been drinking, they probably mentioned it to other friends that may not have been in that room. So they pay a visit to Dr. Brown the next day. He's the Mm Emmy, right? So Brennan wanted to understand the injuries. A little bit better so dr brown suggested that the laceration on the scrotum could have been caused by a hard kick especially if they assailant that was wearing steel-toed boots which the electricians next door do wear of course they do brendan requested apple detective apple to start re-interviewing the men who had worked with the union the previous summer because maybe they heard something down the line once they mm-hmm. went back home maybe something's changed so brendan went home And he wanted to review the hotel surveillance videos, even though Detective Apple already had. He wanted his own time to look at them. And cameras just showed Greg coming in from work that evening. They showed several of the electricians making trips to their vehicles in the parking lot, but nothing suspicious. Mr. Brennan and Detective Apple in may went to see some of the co-workers who had not yet been interviewed so now this is people that work with the electricians that were in the room this oh, is now nine months okay eight months oh, I since the murder. Trying to talk about
1: who it was okay so
2: at this point the electricians had been gone from the work site for about seven months because it's been a little over eight months since the murder so they've been away from this area for seven months so none of their testimonies really showed anything they were very vague but Brennan was convinced that there was something there they were tied into it. that wasn't being talked about. So most of the men had heard about the man in room 348 that had died. And Brennan heard from one crew foreman, a man named Aaron Bork, that he had heard that something about a gun going off. What? Which is interesting. In a hotel
1: room? Wouldn't everybody hear that? You would think so. At least the people around the adjoining rooms, you would think. I mean, and you think about it, when we're... Staying in Abilene at the Hampton. We can hear the kids upstairs running around. If a mm-hmm. gun goes off, we're going to hear it. Absolutely. Even if it's yeah. upstairs.
2: Detective Apple tells Brennan, Yeah, no, that's not this case. That's not the same case. This was the one where a man got in a fight at the Elegante Hotel, and Bork had heard nothing about the fight. So when they left Bork's house, Brennan said, You know, we need to go back to the hotel. I just have a feeling we need to go back there. Something we there. We, we need, need to re examine something. Yeah. And Detective Apple's like, Why? We've been there a million times. You've looked at pictures. What more could you look for? And he's like, uh, "We're looking for a bullet because I believe that the gun has something to do with it." So Apple and Brennan they go back to the hotel and they start inspecting the floor because the room has not. I mean, it's still crime I'm scene. I'm sure it's closed off. So they're looking. At, they're looking in the floor, the furniture, the walls, everything. Just about whenever Brennan's about to be like, "Well, I, I give up. There must not be a gun." He saw an indentation in the wall along the side of the where the door closes that led what? to the adjoining rooms. The indentation was a repair job, and it appeared to be right where the handle of the door would hit a wall in a typical hotel room, like mm-hmm. where that like bumper is. But when he swung the door open, the knob and the it dent didn't, line up. didn't match, mm-hmm. so that didn't make sense. So the doorknob touched the wall slightly to the right, so it didn't make sense where the indentation was versus yeah, the doorknob. It didn't match up, yep. So Brendan wanted to see the other side of the wall which is room 349. Mm -hmm. So they requested access to the room and Brennan went to the other room and he stood alongside the small neat hole in the wall that had been patched with a light pink filler that turned out to be... Toothpaste. Toothpaste.
0: Some
1: bitches.
2: So he (laughs) measured its height against his hip and then he walked to the room 348 and measured the indentation and they lined up perfectly.
1: Of course they did. So
2: a bullet had gone through that wall. So this small, neat hole in 349 marked its entry, and the lar- larger hole in 348 was its exit. So he was able to determine it wasn't coming from 348, it was going into 348. Mm-hmm. So CSIs called in, they excavated both holes, and they shined a laser through. The trajectory pointed straight up to the bed where Greg had been sitting, smoking, and eating candy, and watching Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. So this poor guy Minding his was own shocked, business. Had no idea. Absolutely looking no idea. Looking forward
1: to going to work the next day. Looking forward to going home the weekend. He's just enjoying He's his night watching Rages, his Iron right? Man and his popcorn and his So chocolate. as soon as
2: they turn the laser on, Brennan mm-hmm. says, motherfucker was shot. <laughs> <laughs> so Apple and Brennan bring the information to Dr. Brown, who is so
1: frustrated, right? Because he does not want to be wrong.
2: And they tell him, you have to change your ruling to being shot. Because if you leave it the way it is now, we, no we, we can't catch anyone and we can't mm-hmm. punish them for what they did. Because mm-hmm. right now you have it listed as homicide by being kicked. You have to change it to homicide by shooting or manslaughter. Because right now- Or gunshot wound. Just we, leave it at that. Yeah. We, we can't, yeah. we can't do anything with this. So he was like, no, the man wasn't shot. There was no blood. He wasn't shot. He refused to believe that. So Brendan's like, let's just get the body exhumed. We'll get the body exam. We'll prove it to you. Well, there's a problem with that. He was cremated. Damn it. And the ovens are hot enough to destroy metal fragments. So that's not an option. So then Brennan proposed the idea to Dr. Brown. He said, let's just take out the photos from the autopsy and go through them and see what we can find. So Dr. Brown's like, this all right. This is why he's good
1: at what he does.
2: Fair enough. So they started looking through the photographs, passing them around. And Brendan looked at a picture of the heart and showed Dr. Brown and was like, Doc, that's a fucking bullet hole. (laughs) And Dr. Brown agreed it was a bullet hole. So Dr. Brown said, the media is going to kill me. Oh, wow. I'm going to be butchered because he changed it three times. Natural causes, homicide. But it wasn't because
1: he wasn't doing his job. It's just that he can only do what the evidence shows him. Exactly. And maybe you just don't rule. They usually want you to rule somehow so that they can proceed. So they know how to proceed. Right. Right. So, but it takes a bigger man to admit that he's wrong. So agreed. At least he didn't try to to lie. So he told him they're gonna butcher me. They're gonna yeah.
2: They're they're gonna slaughter me. So there was two more men that were part of the electrician union Mm -hmm. that had been gone that finally called the cops back. And one of them is Tim Steinmetz. He was called to meet with the cops, and of course it had been some time. And he and Lance Mueller had been home from their job from Beaumont. So. They live in Wisconsin. So Brennan and Apple say, don't worry, you don't have to come here. We don't want you to have that extra expense. We'll come see you. No problem. So they go to Wisconsin and Steinmetz and Mueller both spoke on the phone prior to the interviews to get their story straight. Mm -hmm. And as soon as Brennan hears that these two were coercing before they came, they start to get a little worried because they're thinking, what could they possibly be talking about prior to us coming? like what story would they need to get straight you know so they kind of are walking into a situation like Like you know like if you and i like we were just in abilene a couple weeks ago if somebody were like we need you to come down and talk about your stay we'd be like all right i mean what is there to get straight i mean i know what i did you know what you did we know Mm -hmm. we did together so we saw a pantera tribute band yeah we did so
1: fall flat on her face
2: (laughs) I mean, there's really nothing to get straight, you know, Mm -hmm. unless you're lying. Detectives meet with Steinmetz first. They kind of lead the conversation. They ask Mm -hmm. questions about every detail of the evening. And he answers all the questions, but he never talks about a gun. So Brennan then takes over the conversation. (laughs) <laughs> and he asks about Greg Flanagan dying next door, and, you know, were you aware of that? He said he was aware that Flanagan had died, but he wasn't really sure what happened or what was going on. Steinman stated they didn't hear any commotion in the room, no banging or anything, so it's just very weird to me, you know? Steinmetz is like, that's it? You know, you flew all the way here just to hear my side of the story? Like, something doesn't seem right. So Brendan asked Steitzman, I want you to, everything we just talked about, I need you to write it down, then we're going to read it aloud. And then any corrections we need to make, we're going to make. You're just going to put your little John Hancock on there. We're going to have a local cop come and notarize it that we didn't coerce you. And then we'll go to the next step. He's like, that's it? Sure, no problem. So he reads through a statement. Steinmetz noticed that Detective Apple wrote down he was an apprentice. And he's like, well, actually, I'm not an apprentice. I'm a journeyman. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to change that. And he changed a few other things. They initialed it. Local cop came in, notarized it. And Simon said, okay, so is that it? You know, can I go? And Brennan's like, well, hang on a second. <laughs> you were free to go until you signed that statement because now you've got a problem. Diamond's like, okay. And he sat back down. And Brennan stated, now tell us what really happened because we know what happened because now you're going to go to jail with your little friend Lance Mueller. Do you want to <laughs> go to jail with him? And he's like, why? Why am I going to go to jail? And Brennan replied, you just made a false police report and you committed perjury. So you're going to go to jail. We gave you a chance to be honest. So Detective Apple tells Steitzman, we know what happened. We know everything that happened. And I realize you're trying to be noble and protect your friend. But you're about to get you and your whole family in a really bad spot. And it's just not worth it. So why don't you just come clean? So he starts spilling his guts. So the real story is Mueller, Pisano, and Steinmetz had all been drinking and Mueller asked Pisano to go get a bottle of whiskey from his car and to bring up his 9mm Ruger. So when Pisano returned, Mueller took out the handgun. The others were kind of alarmed because he's playing with it and he'd Mm -hmm. been drinking. So he pointed it at Steinmetz, Who dropped to the floor and started cussing at him and was like, why are you, why are you pointing it at me? You know, like, that's really scary. So he was pointing it at the foot of the bed and it went off. So Pisano thought for a second, oh my God, have I been hit? Have I been hit? But he, but he wasn't. And there was a hole in the wall behind him. So Mueller freaks out, gets the gun together and takes it back to his car. When he returned, Pisano had left for his own room and was like disgusted. Like, I don't want to be part of that. I'm out. So Mueller and Steinmetz went down to the bar of the hotel And Simon stated they had not known for sure if anybody was staying in the room next door. But as they were going back up to the room, they heard someone coughing in there around midnight. So they thought, oh, someone's in there. They're fine. Nobody was hit. But we don't
1: know how long it had been from the time they went down to the bar until they came back up and heard him coughing? No. Okay.
2: Well, we know that he must have been shot anywhere between 8.30 and 9. And that lines up with them. Then they go down to the bar and they don't come back up till midnight. So that's three or four and hours later. And that's when later. they heard him coughing. And that's when they heard the cough. So, so it's he been...
1: did suffer if he was laying in there for three hours shot.
2: Or they either said
1: he was coughing or it was the wrong room. Or they screwed their time up. Yeah. They heard, they got scared and they went down to the bar to like try to regroup or whatever.
2: So the next morning, he and Mueller saw the gurney and they thought, Oh my God, we, we killed that guy. Mm-hmm. So the cough they heard didn't seem right, but it could have meant Greg survived the gunshot, like you said, for longer than the coroner believed, which made the electricians failure to check on him or call for help. So Brennan asked, did anybody knock on the door and check on him? And Simon's replied, no. So then they, right? Like how heartless could you be? Like, even if you hear a cough, like you don't know how many people are in that room. Like what what if if... there are kids in there? Exactly. And what if it's 830 and they're all sleeping and you shot them Mm -mm. and they didn't make any noise or do anything because they were sleeping when you shot them. Well, if
1: you brought a loaded gun to in a hotel room, you're already dumb. That's true. Especially if you've been drinking. If you bring it. a loaded gun, I mean, how? That's really scary. To yeah. Me. Yeah. I mean, I know you can, if you've got a handgun license, you can carry. But people that have those are a little bit more responsible than people that just.
2: Hey, look at this cool thing! I have a loaded gun at one of their friends. So Brennan asks diamonds "Do you think, do you think Mueller will confess?" And he's like, "Probably not." He's like, "Well, you're going to call him." <laughs> so diamonds calls Mueller and tells him how he came clean about the whole situation and that Flanagan died from the gunshot. So let me tell you
1: how crazy, as if it's not already crazy. So Mueller was the one that had the gun and was waving it around. like And a shot it. Okay. Yeah.
2: And it was his gun. Okay. Simon's called Mueller and tells him, "Yeah, I've come clean. Yeah. He died from the gunshot. So Mueller was freaking out. And he's like, "You're a liar." I got a lawyer, and my lawyer got a copy of the autopsy, and it didn't say gunshot, and it would have been on the news. So obviously, it didn't happen. But he obviously knew he was wrong because later that evening, because Simon's had given Mueller Brennan's number, and was like, "Well, if you want to talk to someone, you need to call Brennan." Mm-hmm. So later on, he calls Brennan, and he's so drunk, and he's trying to explain himself oh, and make reason shit. to Brennan. So Brennan tells him. You're drunk, I suggest you call your fucking lawyer. End of story. Like, you had your he chance. He doesn't
1: play, that's all. You had bastard. your chance to
2: come talk to us, you don't want to, so we're done. So, fast forward to October of 2012. So, now it's more than a year since he was shot. Correct, it's been uh, two years. Two years and a month. So, Mueller was arrested, right? now, Now he's going to be sentenced. For, for what's happened. So, he entered a no contest to manslaughter. Mm-hmm. So, Brennan was worried that he would only get a year since the judge felt it may have been just an awful accident. So, it's been, you know, what, a year and a half almost. It was an accident, but he didn't do anything to fix the problem after. Exactly. This case was so close to him that he dropped what he was doing and flew to Beaumont. So the judge started cataloging this long list of bad choices that led to this this incident, incident, right? So the judge then sentenced Mueller to 10 years, half of what the law allowed. And of course, Mueller apologizes to the court. He said if he had come forward prior, it is unlikely he would have been charged with manslaughter, much less have even gone to jail. So, brennan heard that the da had been reluctant to prosecute the case as a felony so he leaves florida drops his (laughs) cases and goes to beaumont and he meets with detective apple and paul noyola who was the da the da explained to brennan and detective apple that accidental gun charges are so common in texas that the juries and judges just tend to understand them as accidental deaths they don't discriminate as much on accidental accidental gun discharges how scary is that but well, it happens so common.
1: I mean, it's Texas and everybody has a gun, so I'm not surprised by that at all. And that it's accidental
2: gun discharges are such a gray area when it comes to accidental deaths in the Texas Criminal Code that there's not like a specific punishment in law based on a accidental gun suck. discharge. Because it happens so often in so many situations. Brennan's like, you know what? I'm going to go get Susie, his wife, and we're going to meet with the ADA Mm -hmm. because this is BS. So he meets with the ADA and we find out that Mueller, after this happened, he hires a lawyer. He takes his gun, takes it to the attorney that he hires, (laughs) and the attorney puts it in a safe. Now he admits to his attorney, and I know you have that attorney client privilege, privilege, Mm -hmm. but he's telling him that he committed a crime. He committed manslaughter. He accidentally killed someone, and this lawyer... And just left him, didn't check on him. That's the crime. Takes takes the gun and keeps it in his safe. So the gun was never tested. Gun was never found. It's been locked in his safe, and the lawyer was making noise about fighting efforts to have it turned over. And he's like, y'all don't need it. Uh, Yeah, we do. It's Mm -hmm. a, it is evidence. It is the weapon that killed this man. It's the murder weapon. So Brennan told him, "I suggest you go down there with a search warrant and get a fucking blowtorch and get the fucking weapon. It's evidence of a capital crime." (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) The victim was important. The victim was important to everybody here, and we're not going to let this thing be brushed under the rug. Let somebody take a plea on this and see what happens. This is not a fucking accident. An accident is when somebody comes in, has taken off their gun, their gun discharges, and God forbid somebody is hit with that one thing. It's completely different when somebody fucking brings a gun that they shouldn't have into another fucking state, (laughs) shit-faced drunk, fucking around with a gun, the people with him realize that something bad could happen, he discharges around, almost kills the guy he's with, then he does kill somebody on the other side of the wall, he knows something can happen it's an occupied hotel he doesn't even bother to knock on the door next door to see if anybody is hurt and after that his answer to the whole thing is to go get drunk some more in the fucking bar of the hotel then he sees a body being taken out the next day and he is one hundred percent certain he killed him, but decides not to say anything about it, mm-hmm. but run to his attorney and leave the fucking weapon in his safe, <laughs> and the fucking attorney doesn't say anything about it either. You know what? This is a fucking murder. <laughs> so if you think we're going to get a- around this fucking thing, think again, because this is this ain't fucking happening. That dude. <laughs> That's what he says, Good job. right? Good applause, job, Ken Brennan, Brennan right? Yeah. The whole court is like, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: So the jury's like, you're so fucked now, dude.
2: <laughs> and everything he's, he's right on point. Yeah. Like no filter. Everything he said was right. So then Susie gets a chance to speak his wife during, during the sentence. She looks at him and says, I've waited over two years to look you in the face. Eye to eye and simply have the chance to speak directly to you. You would have never come forward with the truth. You murdered him. You You didn't intentionally seek him out to murder him, but you murdered him with every lie you told, with every intentional selfish deception, and with every cover up over and over again. You saw his body taken out of the room in a body bag the next day. You knew you killed him. He meant nothing to you. You have met your match. I would have spent the rest of my life tracking you down, and I found you. You are Greg's murderer, and I brought you to justice. Hell well yes. said, Susie. Good job. Well said. So, yeah, he gets he gets 10 years. That's, that's, that's all he gets.
1: But there was also documentation that while he was out on bond, that he uh, was arrested in Jackson County for his fourth drunken driving offense. They used that a lot when they argued against him, but... So clearly drinking was a problem in his life.
2: I, I totally understand that it was an accident, but like Brennan put it so perfectly.
1: I, think, I mean, I said that too, but after he said that, it wasn't, like you said, he wasn't just moving it from one place to another. It went off. He was jacking around with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, he, what if he had killed the person he was with? I mean, he pointed it at him.
2: And so fair enough, it goes off. What harm is it to have someone go check on the guy next door? And, you, so and you're if, telling
1: me nobody called the front desk to say they heard gunshots?
2: No, nobody heard that. The one person, Mr. Bork, that stated about the gunshot, Apple wrote it wrong in his report. That's why it, there was confusion there because okay. Apple was by himself and he listened to so many testimonies and he what he wrote down for Bork was that he heard a gunshot but he mixed it with another case and it was not the other case. So there was
1: another situation at that hotel where there was a fight and the and, and the, the gun went off, was... but
2: it went off downstairs and nobody was injured. This isn't where that went off. This went off on the floor, which is where Bork yeah, heard it. On the third floor. Yeah. Which Just is the,
1: the top floor on those things, right?
2: uh that i don't well he yeah, was he life. had a three-story cabana so he had access to three different floors oh, that's right so i understand he may have, even if he even if let's say he wasn't drunk and it went off you don't know what's on the other side of that wall like mm-hmm. you said kids could have been there and it's eight thirty. maybe it was nine o'clock when they let's say it was nine if they're sleeping and that gun went off they're not going to make noise you know and at minimum they could have called downstairs and been like hey there's a lot of noise next door can you go check on them yeah and somebody else could have gone and I just can't Donna.
1: believe that no one in that hotel heard that gunshot because that's not a really expensive hotel no so the walls probably aren't very thick I mean if you hear somebody coughing when you're walking by your door or walking into your room then you can probably hear their TV mm-hmm. or uh, how do you not hear a gunshot I just hope to God that he was not awake at midnight so that let's talk about actually what happened so the bullet the gun fired, the bullet went through the wall and into his scrotum and up through, up to his heart. Correct. And then the heart stopped it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it like ricocheted in his intestines. Yeah. I think it just tore him up from the rooter to the deuter. And so that, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess when he got shot, that's when he got up and was he on his yeah. way out? Like I, th- what, I think he was. Think? I yeah. think he, I think he was laying on the bed
2: with mm-hmm. like maybe his legs out, right? So that would make his bottom parallel
1: to that right. wall. Right, so his feet were facing the wall where the bullet came from.
2: Correct. Yep. And I think it went, and I think, and if he's laying back, it's going to follow the path, which is going to be straight up. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have an exit wound. I think I think the bullet stayed in his heart. And they don't dissect the heart no, when they the do an autopsy. Really they just muscle, weigh so it. So
1: it just trapped it, probably. I think so, yeah. So the bullet was in his heart this whole time. And I
2: think, I mean, I don't know. It's weird to me that... He didn't have a bigger gash or hole. I think maybe the um, bullet may have just penetrated just that perfect spot where the, I think the bullet was in the heart. So they found the hole, but he didn't cut the heart open. He just weighed the heart you could cut yourself and not bleed very much in one spot and i think he got hit i don't think he knew what it was
0: Some bit. Mate. i think he
2: just was i mean can you imagine the pain and so he was like oh god i think yes. he got up and was like going towards the door mm-hmm. and he collapsed it's awful it's very very sad it's scary too yeah and he had no idea what happened i mean he may have heard the gunshot but he was watching a movie who knows how loud it was i mean it was loud en- enough that when they walked up to the room to wake him up to find out why he wasn't awake, they could, they could hear, hear the
1: TV. So that's my point. How do you, If you can hear the TV mm-hmm. standing at the door, how do you not hear the freaking gunshot? I don't I know. believe there are people that heard it and maybe they just blew it
2: off. That's what I'm thinking. Because there have been times call. I've heard something. I'm like, what was that? And then you try and like mimic it in your head again to try and figure out what it was that you heard but the longer time goes by the more warped that sound is in your head and you're like i don't know what that was and you don't hear it again so what do you do you're like i heard a noise i don't i can't describe it it sounded like a gunshot may have not been i don't know yeah. plus
0: if you hear a gunshot but you don't hear anybody freaking out you you're going to dismiss it yeah. yeah that's
1: true you're you just going to set up and be like wait and if you don't hear it again you don't hear any commotion then mm-hmm. you are going back to so sleep that's yeah. true yeah and that's sad but that's it's true. It is, yeah. Man, that's sucks. Isn't
2: it twisted? Like, when I was reading it, I was like, how else could this guy mm-hmm. die? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, he's just dead and there's nothing.
1: <laughs> so is uh, the piece of shit still in jail?
2: Well, he went to jail in 2012 and he'll be there till... 2022, but he's eligible in
1: in Beaumont or
2: Huntsville. Where is he? In Jefferson County, and he, but he's eligible for parole in 2019. Well, at least we know this year.
1: He's probably not drinking. Oh, he's eligible for parole this year. This
2: year, year, yeah, but he has been charged with a felony, so he should never own a fire fire weapon.
1: (laughs) Never buy a fire weapon when you're. (laughs) He's not allowed to have a fire
2: weapon. He's not allowed to have a firearm, and most likely, with all of the drunken episodes he's had, he probably has to go to AA. It's probably well, going mean, to be he's, a he's dried out and he's
1: in prison, unless he's drinking toilet wine. Yeah, drinking the hooch. <laughs> so that's,
2: that's, that's that was a
1: good one. That was a, a good, good one. Story. Yeah.
2: Yep. So I hope all of y'all enjoy hope it. Hope you enjoy it. So we thank everyone for, for listening. As yes, always. thank you
1: so much for your support. Send dudes. If, if you sent me your address, I'm going to send you some stickers. Everybody please put the sticker on your car. Yep.
2: or, or somewhere people you want. see it. We are finding random places to put them so mm-hmm. people will join in and listen. Yes, we appreciate it. So, and send us your story suggestions if you have some. So, rest in peace, Greg Flanagan. Yes. Until next week. Bye, y'all. Bye,
1: y'all.
0: Love you. Case file 15, Greg Flanagan closed.